This is Youpreneur FM, the official podcast of the Youpreneur Mastermind Community, a place where no entrepreneur gets left behind in their pursuit of building a business they can be proud of. And now, and now, here's your host, serial entrepreneur and best-selling author, Chris Ducker. Chris Ducker. Well, hello there and welcome to episode number 245 of Youpreneur FM, the place to be on a weekly basis for proven practical strategies and techniques, maybe the odd tip thrown in just for good measure to help you become the go-to source in your industry and build a profitable, proven business around it. It's a real pleasure to be with you. Wow, that was that was like 20 seconds of this is why you're here. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Today I'm sitting down actually with a great friend who uh, I met on the speaking circuit probably around three or so years or so ago. Uh, Andrew Davis is in the house, incredible keynote speaker, author, consultant, etc., etc. And actually we're going to be getting into the business of speaking and we're not pulling punches. You're going to hear everything, warts and all. However, before we get cracking, just a quick reminder that Youpreneur FM is brought to you by the Youpreneur Mastermind community, the premier online community for entrepreneurs wanting to build a profitable, sustainable business based around their experience and those that they want to serve. Community members get exclusive access to our acceleration training library, which includes everything you'll need to know to build, market, and monetize a successful business. And couple that together with our monthly mastermind calls, discounted tickets to our live events, and access to our enthusiastic, supportive member-only forums, and you've got everything you need to succeed. If you're serious about building the business of you, as I call it, and in the most rewarding profitable way possible, then you must join us. So be sure to head over to youpreneur.com forward slash mastermind today for more info. So like I said, myself and Andrew met a few years ago, actually, at Content Marketing World. He was one of the uh, opening keynote speakers, actually the opening keynote speaker on the first day. I was also there doing a session, I believe, on the second of the three-day event. And uh, we we got to talking about the Boston Celtics and lots of other cool stuff at one of the um, mixers uh, at the event and have remained friends ever since. A great guy. I love talking to him. He's got so much passion and energy for the concept of being a full-time speaker and building a real business around being a speaker. So I asked him to come on and really break it down in regards to the business of speaking. We talk about fee structures. We talk about increasing your fees, getting more gigs, referrals, getting paid properly, and a whole lot of other stuff. I know you're going to thoroughly enjoy this conversation. I'm not going to hold you up anymore. Here's myself and Andrew. So, Andrew, welcome to the show. Hey, Chris. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, man. I, I've so been looking forward to this conversation. Um, and for you guys tuning in, Andrew and I met a few years ago. We were both speaking at Joe Pulitzi's uh, Content Marketing World Conference in Cleveland. And Andrew ripped my face off first thing in the morning <laughs> with his opening keynote. And forever since, we have been friends. And, and there you right. go. Um, we, I mean, we, 
I often say this with my guests as we get started. We could go in a lot of different directions, right, based on your career and kind of what we gel on and things like that. But I want to kind of I want to kind of get really down and dirty here and start really kind of maybe busting a few myths, getting a little real and really going super super deep on on the business of speaking i mean you are a full-time speaker this is your thing and you know how to land those gigs how to get paid how to maximize those (laughs) gigs and everything better than most out there so what does let's let's start with a really you know simple pitch here you know what, (laughs) what does the business of speaking mean to andrew davis Oh, man. Uh, The business of speaking really means to me that there's a formula for success, that there's a real strategy to generating revenue from speaking. So it's not just happenstance. It's not just, uh, you know, luckily I got invited to a gig or, you know, I filled out a bunch of, uh, uh, you know, uh, requests for speakers forms and finally got one. Um, But that you're actually using a real strategy to to you know uh, generate 100% 80% of your revenue from speaking and that it's it's long lasting it's not a flash in a pan good okay all right so give us a little bit of context here how yeah. long how how long i guess okay let's go with a double barrel question how long <laughs> have you been speaking and how long okay. have you been speaking full time as your main thing yeah so i the first speaking gig i i did ever was in 2008 um, and it was actually as a lead generation tool for the agency I was running at the time, which was called Tipping Point Labs. Um, and so I spoke from 2008 to 2012, and it, it actually became the agency's sole lead gen tool. Okay. Um, and it worked really, really well. And then uh, in 2012, when I sold the agency, I started speaking full time. So since then, I've been speaking full time. And on average, since about 2010, I've been doing about 50 gigs a year. Wow. Okay, so it's like it's okay. So you now solidly go into the into the crazy bucket with guys <laughs> like Scott Stratton, Jay Bear, yeah. right, right. Okay, yes. so <clears throat> okay, I mean, I I love speaking and I love being on stage and I love the performance, right, of the presentation mm-hmm. and the speech and everything. But the the idea of doing fifty gigs a year scares just scares the bejesus out of me. How <laughs> how how do you even handle that? Like, how do you do that? Well, I think part of the the part of the key is um, really put trying to determine what your your speech cycle is. So, um, you know, I think a lot of people don't treat um, speaking as if it's uh, a like a performance that you're constantly refining. A lot of I, I think a lot of people treat a, a speaking opportunity as I'll put together a great presentation and I'll deliver it, and then you know the next event where I'm invited to speak, I'll put in a different deck together right, um, right. based on the new topic that I have to give. And so I really look at um, a speaking cycle of about two years for one idea. Love it. Um, so to me. I actually see this uh, like every gig as an opportunity to figure out one sentence that worked better this time than last time. Um, and I, I love the challenge. Uh, you know, I, I won't lie and tell you that the, the, tra- the travel doesn't get um, to me. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. You know, and it's become is- harder nowadays, right? To, you know, traveling is not yeah. just getting to the airport, for example, getting on a plane and, and, and arriving. Like, it's a whole 
like nightmare to deal with now and, and obviously we we have no problems with all the security and everything better to be safe than sorry and everything but it's like yeah. it's such an ordeal even just you know local kind of more yeah, national, you yeah. know coast to coast sort of type stuff forget about the international you know yeah, it's so true. I mean, the travel is just the the real exhausting part of it. The speaking to me is the exhilarating, challenging part. Um, yeah. And so I think if you think about a two year cycle for one idea that you're trying to get across in the marketplace, uh, I think it changes the kinds of presentations you give, as well as the the idea that I'm just doing another presentation and I have to put a new deck together. It, you're constantly like I like to say that you, you kind of investigate some new ideas, you aerate them with an audience, and then you amplify the things that work. Like you just take the the you know the one line that got a big laugh, or the the way you expressed the idea today was mm -hmm. better than yesterday because you learned something new. Yeah, and I think you know I see a lot of my speaker friends, as I know you do as well. They start off with that keynote idea, they put mm. it into action, they work on it, they fine tune it over maybe I don't know twenty gigs in six months or whatever, mm. and then a book comes out of it, amongst yes, you yes. know other things, obviously. But it's quite interesting how that cycle works so well for so many different speakers that I know. Yeah, well, I made a mistake the first time. So I wrote a book in twenty twelve, the same time I sold the agency. And it was basically, I took like the, the 10 or 11 years that I've been working at the agency and smashed it into one book. It was called Brandscaping. And, you know, I wrote it over the course of a year uh, and I didn't speak about the ideas in the book as a, as a, you know, as a speech at all. And when I started to get invitations to speak about the book, like, hey, you know, we love the book, come speak for us. Uh, and I started do making speeches uh, and, and building keynotes around the book. I started to realize there was actually a disconnect between the way I was expressing the ideas for the mm -hmm. presentation mm -hmm. and the audience's understanding of the idea. And I realized I learned so much about the way I should express even an individual idea to an audience that I should have written the book backwards the, the way a lot of other speakers do. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's become a kind of a much more integral part of how I, I think about, you know, the next book idea. Um, you know, can I really focus on something for two years, figure out the best way to express it, investigate all the case studies, and then really build something that's special. And, and it's, it's actually, let's talk about the business side of it. So what we used to do, even what I did with brandscaping is we like I would write a book, you know, sitting in my office and then and then I'd release the book. Yeah, with a big promotional strategy and a bunch of other stuff. Mm -hmm. And it would create this really big peak of interest and excitement. Um, and so you get this really quick hockey stick curve that goes straight up. Right. Right. And it's looking great. And then that lasts maybe three, six, nine months. And then it starts to filter off and fall off. Now, if you do the opposite with the, the, that a lot of other speakers have seen success with and you kind of leverage every audience you speak to for, you know, 12 or 16 months. <laughs> right. Um, and get them to be loyal fans and advocates and, and you know, start start subscribing to your email list for the new idea, then you're, you've actually got this huge audience that's ready to the, buy the book when it comes out. Mm -hmm. And at the point at which the book comes out, you're getting paid the most to speak about the topic that everybody's now really, really interested in instead of ramping up to the point that, that they're paying a lot and demand is high. Yeah, I love the fact that you bring that up. I mean, I... I like to try and reverse engineer pretty much anything I do plan wise, mm. right? But it's Me hard. So, but it's but it's hard, right? It's hard sometimes that like when you have a great idea and you're like, "Well, let's do that right now." 
before <laughs> before the world explodes we must take action right now and That's it's right. hard it's it's hard sometimes but i love that idea of of building up the momentum over a short space of time uh and then sort of you know hitting them hitting them with the offer so to speak yeah, um, yeah and right. i'm and i'm starting to say offer more now because i uh I, I had Jeff uh, Walker on the show last month, and I, I was talking about, oh, you you know, you pitch your product. I was like, stop using the word pitch. Just call it an <laughs> offer. It's so much nicer. He was like, he's so right. He's so right. <laughs> it feels um, totally different. Yeah, so, so, so let's go with this. So how do you, here we go, how do you offer your services then to, uh, you know, to to organizations to event yeah organizers i mean like when you when you started to take this very 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 seriously was there something that you would do to get those gigs or were they sort of coming yeah. to you pretty much from day one no i have a really odd strategy so first if the first thing you have to really realize is that speaking is a referral based business yes and so like the first time i decided you know hey i'm going to build a business around speaking I started to look at um, how does the business actually work, and my goal was for every one speaking gig I do, I need to get three, um, like essentially hot leads for for next gigs. So I call them first gigs and next gigs. Mm. And if you do the math over the course of three years, one gig can result in 53 new gigs, even <laughs> with only a 25% close rate. Right. Right. So. So it's a really referral-based business when it starts, which means you need to have a really good strategy to speak in a space where there's there's uh, you know l low commodity-driven um, kind of speaking opportunities. So here, like, here's what I mean. Um, so I mean, traditionally, I speak about marketing, and there's lots of great marketing conferences that I would love to speak at. Content Marketing World would be one of them. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe HubSpot's inbound conference. Um, but demand for, from other marketing experts to speak there is very high and it's hard to get into those things. And also they don't pay generally. So what I did every single year, I've picked a vertical, like a new vertical that I'm going to speak in. Uh, like the first year I, I actually, uh, chose housing as an industry. Um, and the first thing I do is I find the publisher in the industry that has the most power and influence. And by publisher, I mean like magazine publisher or website sure. publisher. Sure. Uh, and I start asking them questions about what are the biggest, like I ask, I'll call the editor and the publisher of the magazine and I'll ask him what are the biggest C-suite issues in the industry? Let's talk about them. And then I actually will write a, a new session description and idea very specifically for that market and I email the session description to the publisher and say, Hey, I'm thinking about giving a speech just like this. What do you guys think of the session description? And generally they will respond. If the session description is really good, they will respond with, man, we would love to have you speak at our annual event that has 700 of the biggest housing developers in the world speaking, you know, there. Uh, and I, I will speak at that event for free to generate the first three leads that will generate business over time. And since 2012, Let's take the housing industry, for example. They still contribute. Housing industry events still contribute about $75,000 worth of revenue every year, um, even though it's been five years since I spoke at that first free event. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I love that you're – and this is really the only way I think you can go into any business model you know, and, and expect it to be – successful is to think long term you know it's what i call the long yeah. game right you got to play the yeah. long game yeah for sure yeah speaking is slow like uh 
it's actually so I, I actually built my own little speaking um, business tracking tool I call it gigs but I, I signed up for QuickBase which Intuit owns and you can build your own database inside it and so I started tracking all the the variables that go into what gets you another speaking gig and so there are like some easy numbers that help you like scale and understand the time frame that it takes to build a speaking business so the average speaking gig for me it takes about 4.5 months to go from hold which means can you hold a date we're really interested to uh, to we want to book you and here's the signed speaker agreement mm-hmm. um, so essentially you've basically got four and a half months that uh, that you can you know sell them on uh, and then you've got another three and a half months generally before the event actually happens so it's like seven months from the time you actually start talking to them to wow. the time you actually perform the the gig. See, that's um, that's like a genuine sales process, yes. right there. Yeah. Yeah. So we've developed a really, really intimate process where at every step of the way is is really focused on ensuring that we're not the best speaker for the event organizer, but we'll find the best speaker for the event organizer. And the mm. goal is actually. Uh, usually at the very beginning is to make sure that I'm the right fit. And if I'm not, uh, try to help them find the right person to speak at their event. Yep. Oh, I love it. It's great. Okay. So let's, let's assume then that, you know, we're, we're in the process of landing some, Mm. some gigs on a regular basis. Yeah. We're going to these events. We're performing well. We're getting asked back. People are talking about us. Yeah. How do we how do we then sort of take it up a notch or three? I mean, what can we do to kind of two x, three x, five x things in a relatively short space of time? Surely it's not just do more gigs. I mean, are no. there are there other little <laughs> tactics yeah. that you can throw at so, us here? Well, the first thing you should do is you should start increasing your fee. Like that's the fastest way to more revenue from speaking. Love that. Uh, Yes. So, so like in the very early days, um, I would increase my fee by $500 every time I quoted it. So like, let's say I was speaking for free to start. So it was $0. The next person that was interested in having me speak, speak when they said, Hey, what's your fee? I would say $500. And two days later, when I got another call, I would say a thousand dollars. Um, and the key is if you don't, if you don't feel like you're going to vomit a little bit in your mouth when you say the fee, you're charging not enough, right? right. Like, Absolutely. Like, you got to go a little bit you know, higher than you think they can stomach. Um, so, so the first thing to do as demand increases is to start increasing your fee as rapidly as possible. I've gotten to the point where I just increase my fee every September, which has worked really well for me. Um, and, and that's helped kind of you know, really – keep the, the same number of gigs every year, but right. increase the revenue. Um, the second thing I think you should really focus on is spending more time at the gigs you do speak at and ensuring that you're focusing on when people say, what do you do, that you have a really clear, concise, and simple answer. And the first answer is you're a keynote speaker. Mm. Um, a lot of people, you know, uh, also are consultants and they also run another business and they have five other things they do. But if you want to generate more and more revenue from speaking, you want the first objection to be, well, I don't need a keynote speaker. Uh, because if people know that that's the primary thing you do, it's the one thing that you're trying to sell them almost immediately, um, the reaction is very, very different. Hmm. Uh, so, well, yeah, so I mean, when, yeah, you got to own it, basically, right? Yeah, yeah. You've got to own what yeah, you, you do. Yeah, you got to own it. 
Yeah, and it, that has changed. That has helped me dramatically because people will come up after my speaking, and and they used to when I was running an agency. They say, "Hey, that was amazing. You know, what do you do?" And I'd say, "Well, I run an agency." And and they'd say, "What do you? You know, can you do the stuff that you showed in the presentation?" I'd say, "Sure, let's set up a call." Now, when people say, "What do you do?" I say, "Well, I you know I speak and write books." Uh, and they say, oh man, that's amazing. You know, I don't know any events right now, but you know, I'll call you if I think of one. And basically you get three types of leads, people that are kind of like excited about what you talked about and they might buy the product that you offer to, uh, you get people who are kind of soft leads like, oh man, I'm really interested. And I have an event that I'm, you know, I help organize. Uh, we, we should stay in touch. Those I, call, I kind of call really soft leads. And then hard leads are people who come up literally right after you get off the stage and they say, we have an event March 15th. We would love for you to be the keynote speaker. Can I talk to you about that? How much do you cost? And those that you need three of those from every event. So on the latter there, the hard leads, how, how often, say, within a calendar year on those 50 yeah. or so gigs that you do, how often does that happen for you? Uh, so, well, let's break it down into two different types of gigs uh, within those 50. There are corporate gigs, like last week I was speaking at Merck Pharmaceuticals, right? And that's okay. all Merck employees at the event. The number of referrals you get at a corporate event is very low. Minuscule. Okay? Because yeah. It's the yeah, it's minuscule. So I charge the most for those gigs, and I usually expect zero referrals, although it's happened. Sure. The other kind of gigs are the gigs like the publisher gigs or giant associations um, or events even like Content Marketing World. And with with – for for every one of those gigs that I present at, depending on the size of the audience, essentially if it's over 200 people, I have a 100% success rate of getting three hard leads. Love that. That's great. That's um, great. I actually, I could share it with your audience, but I have a weird little Excel spreadsheet that I made years ago that um, can set your expectations for the number of hard referrals you want for every event you do. We would, I would, I would love to have that available okay. for my guys. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I would yeah, appreciate sure. that. Uh, for you guys yeah. tuning in and listening, make sure you head over to the show notes, chrisducker.com forward slash episode 245 to grab that yes. we won't stick it behind any silly opt-in or anything like that we'll, <laughs> we'll just we'll just slam it up in dropbox and give you a link to download it or something perfect um so andrew okay so this is great i love all this stuff let's talk about getting paid yeah <laughs> because it's, it's you know yes. we're talking about the business of speaking yeah here. right you know you you kind of you 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 kind of talk a little bit about um you know how you charge and how you increase yeah. your fee. And I love the fact that you talk about increasing it on an annual basis at this point before it was obviously more regularly. I, I think that's great yeah. because, you know, so many people that we work with inside of the Upreneur Mastermind community, they're not charging enough. And I, I say to them outright, double it. Whatever yeah, it is, double good. it. Double yeah. it, double it, double it. And then six months from now, double it again. Yeah, um, that's right. So I, I, I love that. But what about strategies related for speakers to actually get paid for the work that they do because i mean you know you've heard the yeah. horror stories i've heard the horror stories yeah people sometimes don't get paid at all sometimes they're yeah. paid super duper late sometimes they only get a fraction of what they're supposed to get paid i mean yeah what can we do well, to make sure that we, okay. we handle this properly yeah, there's a couple of things. One, you need to have a speaker agreement that outlines very specifically the payment schedule so everybody's on the same page. A lot of times I think people just in general kind of bury payment terms and in our speaker agreement, it's on the second page and it's literally bullet pointed out. So it's very clear. Sure. Um, and I ask for pay 
50% um, within the 10 days of signing the agreement and the other 50% within 10 days within 10 days of the gig meaning 10 days before the gig I should be paid for the second half I love that um, and if essentially if I don't get the second half 10 days before uh, the, the agreement actually states that I won't get on a plane so they know that there's a, that that I may know may not show up if they mm -hmm. don't send the check. Mm -hmm. um, and now you know there, I will tell you that there are very often, probably even twenty or twenty five percent of the time, we have not got the check within ten days of the gig. But we have a process internally where Elizabeth, our, who does all our operation stuff, will call and make sure that there has been either a check issued or we'll get the check in hand before he gets on stage. So we're very clear about the payment terms. Right. Now, that being said, I've even agreed to go and speak. I spoke once in Korea for a giant Fortune 500 company. Um, it was a great event. Everything went as expected. Um, and a lot of these giant companies have payment terms that will not budge for oh, my kind brutal, of some of them. It's yeah, brutal. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so in those cases, we've also been really clear about the ways to pay. So we, um, uh, for example, we just worked with a giant fi fortune 500 company where we got them to agree to pay on their corporate American express card. Um, and we got the payment you know, almost immediately. Sure. Now, obviously you get the, you know, you, you lose a little money on the fees, but trying to remove the friction in the payment process has helped a ton. Um, and anytime you can do that, that's great. Now there are definitely people every single year that for some reason just do not seem to pay, even though I've been really helpful. I've made the conscious decision to get on a plane and go and speak anyway. They've convinced me that, you know, the accountant was sick last week and, you know, they'll, we'll have a check when you get here or we'll, the check will be two days after you speak, whatever it is. And so out of the goodness of my heart, I do show up. And even then I've had people who six, nine months later have still not paid. Hmm. And two things, I do two things. One, um, I, I still try to remain as nice and friendly and great gracious as possible and understanding. Um, and I've also called all the way up to like the CEO level of some of these places to say, Hey, look, I understand maybe you're having some financial problems. Um, totally get it. You know, can you, we can put you on a payment plan, you know, but I can't sure. continue to finance your speaking gig. And the second thing, um, I've also done is uh, essentially refuse to speak for those organizations in the future. <laughs> sure. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're on the crap list. Um, and I, you know, uh, it, it, I, it's not that I necessarily, if I had a friend who said, hey, I'm thinking about speaking at this event, I would call them, you know, I wouldn't post it publicly, but I would definitely call them on the phone and say, look, like they never paid me or it took nine months. Absolutely. Um, and if you want to stomach that. So, that was a long ass answer, but sorry. No, but, they, but it's such a good one because I think it's such a common problem yeah um and it's something that i think a lot of speakers also sweep under the rug a little bit because they don't want to admit that they've been messed around as well yeah. um and i i think you know uh, you know the, the flip side of this i guess and i'm sure this comes into your your kind of decision making process when someone hasn't paid and you're about to get on a plane like oh do i want to lose those three hard leads that i'm going to mm -hmm. get at this gig yeah. right so yeah. i get it totally Everything is, you know, I mean, every gig ultimately is its own business deal. I'm sure you look at it yeah. like that. I know I do. Um, yeah, but, yeah. I, but I have certainly, I don't know, maybe I'm just, you know, getting a little old, a little longer in the tooth. <laughs> I don't know. But I've got to the point now where I literally don't take any crap anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I 
just won't take <laughs> crap no more, man. It, I just want to do it. It's really hard. Yeah. Hey, look. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think because it's such a referral-based business, I, I try to be as um, – as conscientious as I can about mm. letting my emotions get the better of me, right. which is really, really hard, especially when you're at this point in, you know, in the process of working with someone. Um, and I think I try to mitigate risk as much as possible. So like if I haven't got the first 50% and somebody's inviting me to speak, I just won't go. I mean, right. that would be silly for me yes. uh, because usually I'm, I'm saying to myself, well, you know what, if they don't pay the other half, at least I got, you know, $7,500 instead of the 15 grand I'm expected to get. That's okay. Right. Um, you know, and I'm willing to do it for even that. Um, but it's really easy to start resenting the organizer. Um, and, and, and it's one of the things I'm really conscientious of, like, you know what, it's not the organizer's fault that, that no one else has paid, you know, their organization is slow, mm -hmm. try not to take it out on them or the audience. Um, and these things do factor in really difficult for me as, as you know, as trying to put my best foot forward always. I, I think another thing is because it's such a personal business model. I mean, it's you. Mm. Right, it it's, it's you. Yeah, it it's maybe a little harder not to romanticize that a little bit um, yeah. in regards to the decision making <laughs> process. You know what I mean? Like it's it's tough, particularly if you've got you know you know you're standing in front of twelve hundred people that have utterly fallen in love with you by the time you're done. Mm -hmm. I mean that's that's yeah. tough. I I get it totally. Yeah. 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 I think it's really hard. And I think that's maybe speaking is one of the hardest things to sell because you're selling yourself. In fact, event organizers, we asked hundreds of event organizers over the years, but in, in just in recent times, we actually asked very specific questions of event organizers to try to understand what factors into the decisions they make on who to hire. And essentially it boils down to here's how people hire speakers. They hire you, you first, then they hire your your the speech you're going to give and then they hire the actual entertainment value of the speech so uh so like they kind of look at three different pieces mm. and on the other side depending on how much they're going to pay it comes down to essentially four factors i call it the fee factors <laughs> it's fame um entertainment and expertise in that order so like the more famous you are in the community you serve the more they're willing to pay even if the speech or your entertainment value is bad <laughs> mm -hmm. so like if you're the ceo of google they'd rather have you even if you're the worst speaker in the world right they don't actually care yeah um yeah. so so the fact is you're actually selling you um and i think that's why it's hard for people to say how much they cost and be really clear about it like when people say, hey, Andrew, how much do you cost? I don't care if I'm standing, you know, at, off right off the stage and there's 10 people in line. Like I have it down pat. I say I'm $15,000 for the day. That includes two cases of books and whatever you can pack into the day. Um, and I'd love to chat. There you um, go. And you have to be really confident about being clear and not make any excuses for why you cost so much. Well, and I think it will be, yeah, but I mean, when we're on the subject of cost, it's, you know, it's all relevant from one person to another, right? For some yeah. organizations or for some, you know, events, 15 grand, they might be thinking, well, crap, let's get him done now before he ups it, you know, like, That's you know, right. it, <laughs> and then you're kicking I yourself, right? <laughs> well, you know what? I, you know what the other thing is? I've been constantly surprised at the people who can afford that kind of a fee. Mm. So I spoke at a, a, at a um, construction conference a few years ago, and a guy came up to me, a very quiet, kind of humble guy, and he said he has a conference every year for plumbers, uh, and he would love to have me come speak. 
And, you know, I kind of was like, yeah, right. Like, um, I don't know how much plumbers can afford to have me speak at their events. <laughs> and I said, here's a business card. Give me a call. He called me like the next day. Very interested. Um, I, I told him how much I would cost, which was maybe $10,000 at the time. And he was like, oh, okay, that's great. Um, send me a contract. And I was like, are you serious? Oh and gosh. as I learned about this guy, I realized that my assumptions about the business he ran, the kind of people he served were totally incorrect. And if I had tried to drop my fee just to get the gig, I would have been shooting myself in the face. And that guy yeah. is a really talented, smart guy. Uh, and, and I, you know, I've spoken for some of the weirdest events in the world, and and I'm so happy that they're willing to make the investment in me. But I'm also constantly surprised. So don't be, uh, you know, don't edit yourself um, because you think someone can't afford you. Mm. Um, you can always negotiate down, but it's very hard, if not impossible, to negotiate. To go up, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So let me ask you this: as we wrap up here, and I love yeah. that. Don't negotiate on yourself. I think that's such a massive takeaway there. What happens? God forbid, what happens if things dry up a little bit? <laughs> Chris, there are two times every year where I think this is the last year I can make this kind of <laughs> speaking. It, it happens every year, every June. All of a sudden, I haven't been out on the road as much. You know, it's usually this slowing down into the summer season. Uh, and I usually look at my calendar for the next six months and I always say, oh, my Lord, like, I think people are done hearing from me. They don't like my topics anymore. I have this moment of doubt. The other time is in every December. Same thing happens. I go, you know what? I just that was my run. Uh, I'm never going to cash another speaking check again. Um, and so in those times, I actually go back to the very basics of my speaking business and kind of essential understanding of how it works. And I, I essentially do a few things. One, I reach out to all the referrals, the people who have ever referred me for, for a gig and, and I've won the gig. And I just reach out and thank them again for thinking of me and how great that gig was. And I can't thank them enough for helping me get it. Love it. Um, two, two, I reach out to all the gigs that um, have never hired me. And um, you know, usually I spend some time researching how their events went and who the other keynote speakers were. And I tell them, hey, it looked like your event went great. It, what an amazing you know, turnout you had can't believe you had uh, you know Chris Ducker as the keynote speaker he's such an awesome guy uh, and but I could have done such a better job yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, get <laughs> I mean look I'm inferring this right <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that, but you know those few things that go back to the very basics of making sure it's about the relationship you have with event organizers around the world have always come back to build my business again hmm. um, and and every December I pick a new vertical and I dive deep and next thing you know the pipeline's full again um, I think it's great that you just go back to basics you just work hard you 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 do what you should do as a professional you prospect you qualify exactly uh, you, you there's no offer. secret yeah, no, it's not like no. <laughs> it's not like i buy a bunch of facebook ads and wait for the leads to show up right um. <laughs> and that, you know it's one of the things when when i you know particularly when i coach people through those kind of situations that don't you dare start feeling sorry for yourself you know the the, yeah. the only way to 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 sell yourself out of a slump is to actually sell you know you've got to <laughs> so you've got to work your way out of the damn slump you know what i mean it's and so, so it drives me nuts when people get all kind of down on, oh, I suck, I shouldn't be, you know, and the whole imposter syndrome kicks in. That that term gets thrown around like mad now. Yeah. But I mean, it does, it kicks in. You say, you know, was I any good? Has it been, have That's I so have true. I just been lucky for the last 12 That's years? Right. No, obviously not, mate, 12 years. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
That's so true. Yeah, it is true. It's and I think everybody hits those times. Um, oh yeah. And having a support system really does help. Uh, you know, because it's you know it's easy to get those those uh, those review sheets from the you know the the event organizers that tell you give the comments from the the, the people who've seen you speak, and there might be a hundred that loved you, but it's the two that don't that you can't you think about for six weeks, like, right. and you actually wonder you know are they right? I've actually learned a lot from the negative comments um, over time, especially the more productive ones, uh, but it certainly helped me kind of shape my speaking you know and and such a great way to wrap up the show as well to not want to stop learning and and getting that feedback i remember at first i used to shy away from those feedback reports Mm -hmm. and everything I, i would never ask for them now it's pretty much the first thing I do. I always wait until the day after the event is done because you know they yep. ain't reading no email when the event's still going on. The day after the event is done, I fire off a quick email and I say, hey, it was an utter pleasure to grace your stage. Your attendees were brilliant. I loved meeting mm. everybody I met. When you've got a chance, if and when it's available, I'd love to see any feedback that they provided on, on my session. I always ask it now. But at first, I shied away from it because... You don't want to hear like how bad you did, even if it is just one percent of the <laughs> so audience true. saying it, right? It's so true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do the same. I actually have like a five email like follow up process I go through for every event um, so that make like to get those reviews, to get the video from the event, to get the images from the event, and it's really helped over time uh, and honed over time too. Uh, but yeah. You got to keep up with that stuff, man. I feel. I'm sorry. This is uh, this is a really long interview. Is this way over your time? No, no. This this is we're bang on. This is like wrap up point one hundred one. I feel like we're wrapping it at such a perfect time as well because uh, you know we got to we got to keep them interested, Drew. We we can't (laughs) we we can't give them it all in one interview. We need the we need the return of the Drew. You know what I mean? That's right. That's right. Episode two ninety (laughs) four. We'll be back. So keep listening. There you go. <laughs> You've got well, to build suspense. We we have to. We've got to keep waiting for more. But look, it was it was great to have you on the show. Um, I, I'm just genuinely one of the most energetic, engaging, incredible, uh, and and humbling speakers I've ever seen live, Mr. Andrew wow. Davis. Uh, if you guys tune in and get the opportunity to go see him speak at any event, make sure you stick it on your calendar because you won't be. Uh, you know, you won't be regretting it. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. This has been so much fun. Thanks for having me. It has. All my pleasure. Um, For you guys, I'm going to be dropping links over on the show notes page to uh, Andrew's site and his books and all the rest of it that we can dig up on him. Any bit of dirt that we can find <laughs> will be linked I'll, to... I'll send you some stuff. There you go. Yeah, make it easy for me. Make it easy That's for me. That's right. I'll send you. I'll send you my uh, my my television commercial I did when I was like nine. Oh, hang on. Did you play this as part of the keynote? I vaguely remember this. I don't know if I. I might have. Yeah, I think I might have. I you, might have. Either yeah. you or someone else has commercial. got a great connection to self-deprecating humor, and they did that at some point. So at <laughs> some point me. in the past, it I'll send great. it to you. I'd love to see it again. All right, um, Andrew. Thank you again for coming on, man. I appreciate you so much. You got it. And you guys, show notes, chrisducker.com forward slash episode 245. Make sure you go check it out. I'll be back at you again next week. Bye for now.
If you enjoyed today's show, I'd love for you to check out the Youpreneur Mastermind community. It's the go-to resource for everyone wanting to build a profitable, future-proof business based around their experience and those that they want to serve. So whether you're just starting out or if you've been working hard on your personal brand and building your online platform for a while, the Youpreneur Mastermind community can help you take everything you've been doing to the next level. With lots of training, live mastermind calls, and thriving community forums where you can get the feedback, advice, and more energy and encouragement than you'll know what to do with, the Youpreneur Mastermind community is the perfect place for anyone wanting to learn how to build, market, and monetize their personal brand. For more info and to get started on your new Youpreneur journey, head over to youpreneur.com forward slash mastermind today. I'll see you on the inside.